Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. It's Morgan. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. We're doing more Q&A because it's just so fun. I love it. It's like a wide variety of topics and they're all topics that I love, of course, because I pick the questions that I answer. Duh. Uh, Let's get on into it. But of course... Have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then you go to use it and it's not very absorbent? Basically a towel leaving you out to dry. I bet you've never heard that joke before. That's why MyPillow has developed the MyPillow towels, towels that work. It's crazy, I know. Towels that actually dry you. Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. Come in a variety of colors. I have the black ones and the white ones with green plants in my very neutral colored bathroom. It's very peaceful and relaxing. Did you know you could put eucalyptus in your shower and it releases things that relax you? Well, it's a good idea. Go to MyPillow.com right now. Use promo code MORGAN. That's $49.99 for the six-piece towel set. Promo code MORGAN, MyPillow.com. 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Again, MyPillow.com, code MORGAN. Thank you. All right, so this is a good question to start out with. Someone said, you said you want to homeschool and so do I, but how do I How do you, if you aren't, up on the new info? Um, That's a good question. I want to spend more time on this and maybe do a few separate podcasts specifically about homeschooling and maybe even just homeschooling from the perspective of somebody that wants to but is a little intimidated because that's... That's basically me and a lot of people listening right now, right? I mean, half of us don't even have kids yet, but we're excited to do this because we believe it's the way to go. So maybe I'll have on some moms that have homeschooled before. I personally have a few experiences of it. I've seen it in terms of people that I work with in politics that work on the behind the scenes of school choice movements and stuff like that. But I also, I mean, I've gone to churches and other groups and other homes where they just homeschool and I've been there while they're doing the homeschool I've been there when the homeschool moms that homeschool separately all meet up with women in their church who are also homeschool moms and they just, you know what, have a week hangout or maybe two times a week they get together and do like a little field trip, but it's it's more casual where they're just going somewhere, they're just hanging out, they're having lunch together, whatever, so that the moms can kind of coordinate and spend some time together and have some adult conversations for a little bit, you know what I mean, while the kids are off on the other end of the room or whatever they're doing playing and getting fun, interactive time with other kids. There's a bunch of little experiences that I've had, but of course, I'm not married yet and I don't have kids, so I'm not exactly a homeschool mom. You know what I mean? So that doesn't mean that there isn't stuff that we could do and things that we could talk about to get prepared for that kind of thing. And I love looking into it. So this is a great question. I guess The first thing that we should address is the fact that there's a lot of policy and politics related to the education of children. Why? Let's go over it one more time. People say all the time that politics is downstream from culture. But what do we say on this show? We say that culture is downstream from how we educate and raise our children. So mothers, the role of a mother, the role of parents, the role of being a homemaker and raising the young people that will grow up and become the leaders of a society, that's kind of a big deal. 
it's very, very valuable in terms of the success of a society and also valuable in the sense that if you eliminate it, bad people can rise up and bad things can happen in that world. So I think that's why a lot of us are also more interested in this beyond just sending our kids to school on the yellow school bus and doing what society has told us is the normal and right and responsible thing to do, aka sending our kids to public school. Now, I will say this. I went to public school and I grew up in upstate New York. Now, if you look at the rankings, New York State is the number 50 best school for educational freedom. And I'll get more into that in a little bit, but there are rankings in this because education is a state-level policy. Yes, we have the Department of Education at the federal level, but like many things that have been created by the federal government in the last century, this is also unconstitutional. Our founders created a constitutional republic and wrote into the Constitution that anything not specifically dedicated to the federal government as a power as a responsibility of the federal government in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, all the things not in it, those are left to the states. And that means including education. And that's in the 10th Amendment of our Bill of Rights that helped found this great nation. So when we know this, and we know that, wait a second, so in the mid-1900s, a bunch of left-leaning people got together and tried to push for the creation of a federal institution having to do with educating kids. And you look into the connections of it. Maybe we'll look into that in the, in the future. But I encourage you guys to, to research this. You'll find out that there was a lot of sketchy stuff going on in terms of nationalizing education. And perhaps it had more nefarious political reasons. But that's a topic for a different day. The bottom line is what you need to know is for the most part, even though there is a federal Department of Education that definitely creates burdensome regulation, that definitely has negative impacts, I believe, on the state of education in the country, your education policy is still, for the most part, going to be controlled by the state that you're in. So you can live in a very supportive state of homeschooling, of school choice, of getting your kid out of public school, or you could live in a blue state that wants to make it as hard as possible for you to get your child out of public school because they want your child in government school. So that's the first thing you should know. Know this. Government wants us in government school. So it's kind of like taxes, where when I'm doing my taxes, I am in no way (laughs) trying to do my taxes wrong. I am not trying to get out of anything. I'm not trying to do anything bad. But when I'm doing my taxes, I am tense. I am nervous because the government makes us feel like if we do this wrong, we're going to jail, right? It's like I feel like a wrongdoer, like a criminal, like I'm doing something wrong. And it makes me nervous because it's just so complicated. So even though I have no bad intentions, I don't mean to be doing anything wrong. I don't know what the heck I'm doing half the time, and I'm nervous that I'm going to get in trouble. But I'm not somebody that deserves to get in trouble, if you know what I mean. Do you guys feel the same way when you do taxes? Okay, back to the point. We are not criminals, okay? But the government, the dang government, wants this process, just like taxes. They want education to feel complicated, and they want us confused. They want us intimidated because they want to incentivize us to just say, you know what? It's way easier for me to just send my kid to public school. I can't do this anymore. And so you see this kind of intimidation of especially homeschoolers, but also intimidation of charter schools, the people that want to found them, the people that want to run them, and private schools, same thing, and also religious schools. 
the government intimidates these people who want to build up other opportunities, school choice for children. They intimidate them with regulation, with reporting requirements, with all these different things that make it a very overwhelming process so that people just say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I give up. And then what do you know? All those children in the community in the community no longer have those opportunities to go to a different op- uh, different option. And they have to go to public school or you as a parent say, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to send my kid to public school. So the government is pretty against you on this unless you live in a state that believes in educational freedom. So this is very important if you're looking at states to move to if you haven't picked your your long-term spot yet or if you're looking to reform the policy in your state. And of course, when you get down to the county level, the local level, the school district level, that's when things like budget, curriculum, and stuff like that play more of a hand and not necessarily like school choice policy. That's more of a state level thing. And this is kind of why I wanted to show you guys this resource before we move on to the next thing you should know. If you go to heritage.org, It's the website for the Heritage Foundation. Now, I'm familiar with this because I'm kind of in that conservative movement stuff. I have been for a few years. But if you aren't familiar with it, the Heritage Foundation has a lot of resources. And they're basically maybe maybe not the biggest, but one of the biggest conservative organizations. It's a nonprofit, I believe, in the movement. They are headquartered in Washington, D.C. They have a ton of staff, a huge building, and they are basically there to serve you. They do a bunch of stuff. Trust me, I could never explain it all in just an hour of an episode, but I give them a lot of credit. They do a ton of things, including having an entire section dedicated to education reform, education policy, and of course, educational resources for families and people out there in America that believe in freedom in one way or another. So if you go to the Heritage website, actually, I encourage you to do this. Google Heritage Foundation Education Report Card. Okay, and you're going to have on your screen uh, something's going to pop up of an entire map of the United States, and it's going to show basically on a scale of red to yellow to green, green being good, obviously, the color of your state. And then you can click on each state with this map of America to see how they rank in terms of educational freedom. So I'm going to pull up this thing right now and give you an example of by state what a report card looks like so that you can look into this and understand the policies of your state. We're going to look at Texas right now, and we're going to look at a few of the different things that you should be considering when you're evaluating how your state deals with education. Or if you're moving, I get a lot of questions of this of people asking about, you know, Morgan, I want to move to this state or this state, but I want to have kids. Do you have a suggestion? There are so many factors. I do not want to give you guys specific suggestions on what state to live in, of course, but here are some important things to consider. So Heritage Foundation's report card specifically for the educational freedom of Texas says number 12 in overall rank. It says Texas is number 12 in overall education freedom. The state ranks six for regulation. They are number 35 out of 50 in school choice rank, however. So they're in the orange near the red side of school choice. Why is that? It says Texas ranks number 35 for school choice. Texas does fairly well in allowing children to choose among charter schools, but could do much more to expand education choice. Texas respects the autonomy of homeschooling families. Texas could improve its ranking by establishing K-12 education savings accounts, making it easier for charter schools to open and operate, and giving families more choices among traditional public schools. In transparency, Texas ranks 11th. 
Texas lawmakers have adopted a proposal that specifies certain content should be taught in K-12 classrooms, including the Declaration of Independence, the Federalist Papers, and other writings of the Founding Fathers. The provision should be more specific and reject educators' application of critical race theory in K-12 classrooms by prohibiting compelled speech. State officials should also make academic content more transparent to parents and taxpayers. The next category is regulatory freedom rank. Remember, you guys, states use regulation on other alternatives for education beyond public school to intimidate people out of either starting schools, starting a homeschool pod, or homeschooling their kids at all. Texas ranks number six. It says Texas ranks six among states in terms of regulatory freedom. An impressive 54% of teachers in the Lone Star State made their way to the classroom through alternative certification routes, bypassing traditional university-based colleges of education. However, Texas does not have full reciprocity of teacher licensure licensure, sorry guys, with other states. Approximately 16% of school districts in the state with more than 15,000 students employ a chief diversity officer. Wow, 16% of school districts in Texas with more than 15,000 students have a chief diversity officer. Interesting. The state does not use Common Core aligned tests. So that's very good. And then it says Texas can further improve its standing in regulatory freedom by allowing full reciprocity of teacher licensure or by eliminating teacher certification requirements altogether. So let's just compare this. Texas has a really great program, and obviously there are some suggestions. But let's compare this to New York State, where I don't know if you guys know this, but there's some areas of New York State where you are required to have a master's degree to be a public school teacher. So if you wonder of like, how do the costs rise so much in a state like this? Or how, how does Florida spend less on its education programs and have higher scores than New York State, but New York State is spending multiple times more? How does that happen? How does New York State end up in so much debt? Well, it's because they do things like require teachers that are paid a very small amount in general to get a master's degree and then to help them pay off that debt because that costs a lot of money. They have to raise the cost of paying a teacher. And then next thing you know, you just can't afford that kind of stuff as a state. It's a whole mess. So let's look at Texas spending rank. They're number 16. It says Texas is 16th overall in returning on investment, ROI for education spending. Texas spends the 42nd most per pupil among states, spending $12,602 in cost of living adjusted terms annually. It says Texas is tied for 32nd place in its combined fourth grade and eighth grade math and reading average national assessment of educational progress score. The Lone Star State employs 0.97 teachers for every non-teacher in its public schools. Texas's unfunded teacher pension liability represents 5.5% of its state GDP. Texas can raise its ROI ranking by improving academic outcomes on the NAEP, limiting growth in non-teaching staff, and addressing its unfunded teacher pension liabilities. So let's keep in mind, you guys, Texas pays $12,602 per pupil. I just want to show you really quick what other states pay. Let's go to Florida first. Florida ranks number one total of all the states in terms of education freedom. Number one overall, number three in school choice, number one in transparency, number two in regulatory freedom, number seven in spending rank. I want to show you how much Florida spends. It says Florida spends $11,043 per pupil. And knowing that, let's just check out New York really quick. New York ranks number 50. Spending rank number 46. New York State spends $24,509 per pupil and is tied for 28th place in terms of grading for fourth grade 
and eighth grade math and reading. Okay, so let's see. New York State spends $24,000 to place in 28th for the smartness of its kids. Let's just say it like that. Florida spends 11000 so less than half, 11000 and they place 17th in the country. So again, you guys, just a recap. That's a great comparison between New York State ranking number 50 and Florida ranking number one. But you can see every state in the country, the good things that they have, the bad things that they have. And of course, more detail is available if you go on to, in general, the education section of heritage.org. That's a great resource to learn the policy of educating your children in your specific state, what's good, what's bad, what needs to be fixed. So the next kind of question is like, all right, back to the main question that was asked to me. What do you do if you don't know all of the info, all the new info, and you want to be a homeschool person? I would say the next question is who the heck do you trust, right? (laughs) For me, me and my friend Allie talk about this all the time. And it's a really serious problem when you're trying to figure out what's best for you and your family. These days, it's like we can't even trust the experts. And COVID was a good example of this. You can't even trust the people that went to school in this, that have massive degrees in this, that have worked in in these fields of science and all this stuff for years. You can't trust the professors. You can't trust the administration. You see what they're doing even in K through 12 right now with kids. And you wonder, wait a second, what's the best thing? You see the the lack of gratitude. You see the issues going on with young people in America today. And you wonder... Is it the participation trophies? Is it is it some big misconception that we're missing here where we're raising children too soft these days? It's it's weird because you see influencers on Instagram and social media and these resource pages and stuff, and they will literally say the opposite thing and say anybody else who who says otherwise, anybody who disagrees with me, they are crazy. It's kind of like the diet stuff where you see some people that are like, you know, I I only eat fruit. I only eat fruit and anybody that eats other stuff is just crazy, where then you have other people that are drinking raw eggs and eating raw meat on the internet. So there's a wide array of people who think that they are experts and it's like, who do you trust on this, especially when it's something as important as educating your kids? I will say that when I find people that are doing the right things, instead of just Google searching good educational resources for kids. It's like, how do you find what organization you trust to provide information that you actually want your children to learn? Because this goes into like, okay, curriculum. Also, in terms of educating yourself on how to raise children, I mean, this goes even to to pregnancy and hospital birth versus home birth in terms of what to eat and what not to eat, how to do certain positions of birthing and not. Like everybody is disagreeing on this kind of stuff. So it feels a little confusing. And that's why for me, I've definitely hammered home for like who I trust in certain areas. For health, I look at what the natural nurse mama on Instagram provides, and she has a podcast with somebody, doctor. It's called Red Pill Your Health Cast, if you guys want to listen to it. For any products and things having to do with kids and stuff like that and family and health, I go to Natural Minded Mama on Instagram, and she provides all swaps for products, stuff like that. And then... The question of like, who do I trust for education? That's the one that I just haven't really answered yet, right? So I've got my health covered. I've got my products and and purchasing and being a conscious consumer thing covered now. And me and Allie, my friend, have been kind of searching, I guess you could say, for, okay, who do we trust for quality information 
and links and resources and straight up curriculum and books and everything having to do with children and education of children, who do we trust? And to be honest, I haven't really found the ones that I'm like, yes, 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 this is going to be our person the way I feel so confident about natural nurse mama and natural minded mama. So Allie and I kind of got into this because I was texting her of like, when you search on the internet, childhood development books, how do you know that the person writing that child development book doesn't, you know, maybe support something like drag shows in libraries? You know what I mean? Like, there are really big differences between how I see child development and raising of children versus how people maybe on the left would see as what's valuable in raising a child in their eyes. So it's it's kind of, I'm, I'm running into a wall here of like, I am having trust issues on this. And I, I used to just order books all the time. And I used to just have them shipped and I would buy these used books on Amazon for like a dollar or two dollars. And now it's like, I don't even want to buy this book. So I don't even know who the author is. And I don't know if they are actually are aligned with me in terms of what they're trying to achieve in the development of a child's mind. Uh, you see how it's like, I don't even know what to say here because I just feel really off base on this. So Allie and I have been talking about it because this matters for books that we're getting from pregnancy to birth to infant care and child early stage development all the way through K through 12 education and what to do with teens, how to handle all that stuff. It's kind of a lot. And that goes with activities and actually raising a child and the things to feed them and stuff. But it also has to do with curriculum. It also has to do with their psychology and it also has to do with the methods. It's honestly like two different worlds right now in terms of how Americans on both sides of the aisle want to raise their kids. And it's just a topic that I don't really know even what to say. But the bottom line is, that's what I'm currently looking at. Does that make sense? I guess that's my answer is, I am trying to find the people where I'm like, I like what they're doing. And I want to do that for me too. And so that's why I think it's also local, because you truly don't know when it comes to something as intimate as raising children and childhood development, it's not like you can look at somebody like Natural Minded Mama and be like, yes, I could tell through the internet that she's a wonderful mama. You know what I mean? Like she provides amazing health and information resources. And I love that. And I'm like, yes. So now it's like, how do we find those kind of people that we trust and we want to emulate and it also mean it almost means that it's like a, a local thing so it's like finding people in our community where it's like I like what they're doing I'm going to find out what books they read I'm going to ask the people that I respect what they're reading what they're using for curriculum what they're doing and that's the journey that I'm on so as I find that I'll share that now the next thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about in this thing kind of the last part of this question is back to the point of wait a second, a bunch of the girls listening to this right now, a bunch of the followers, all my friends, like none of us have kids yet. <laughs> so why are we talking about this? My friend Alex said this the best, and I'm going to paraphrase her, but she basically said, you know what? I read about child development. I read about raising kids. I read about educating them. I read about how to make little kitty snacks and meals and stuff. I read about that before I even have a husband, before I even have kids, because I don't want a crash course when I am pregnant on how to have a baby or how to do any of these things. I don't want to be consumed in the moment. Instead, I want to be fully prepared. I want to be able to enjoy the moments instead of trying to do that crash course and reading all these books last minute and trying to do my best. I'd rather just be fully prepared so that I can enter that phase in a very strong 
and prepared mindset. And I really love that. And so that's when I started ordering those books too. I've read a ton. I'll maybe put on my website the links for the ones that I have read and actually enjoyed so far. Now, here's the thing. Another fun thing that you could do in this prepared moment when it comes to specifically homeschool is to scroll the sites of what seems like good pages. Because here's the thing. No, I have not homeschooled, so I'm not going to endorse any curriculum or anything like that. I've had a few people reach out about this. Instead, I just want you to do a little fun project. To me, it like fills my soul. It makes me all excited to look at it because it's it's just kind of helping me visualize. I want to learn what the materials even look like, right? I want to see what it's all about. So I go to this website, goodandbeautiful.com, and they have, again, I'm not endorsing this, but you can just scroll the site and they have a whole setup of like reading, writing, math, science for K through 12, I believe. And you can look at sample pages of the different curriculum and just see how they structure it. It's a really cute site. It's really informative for for girls like us where we're like, where do I even begin? And I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like going on this site is like scrolling Pinterest almost where like you feel kind of inspired and you're just able to kind of visualize and see what the heck this stuff even looks like. That's goodandbeautiful.com. No, I'm not endorsing it or anything. I'm just saying it's a cute site to go scroll around on. Okay, let's go on to the next question. Okay, I also, you guys had a lot of questions about my dad. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it that you guys are, are so caring. And I get so many messages from you just wishing him well and saying that you're praying and stuff. So, so thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you who are still curious and you maybe missed some other episodes, my dad has his original cancer. It's originally from the fumes and the bad things that he was exposed to in the air or whatever when he was at the cleanup of 9-11 because my dad was in the National Guard at the time and on 9-11, 9-12, the following days after 9-11, National Guard guys got called down. My dad was in the Army National Guard and now he's a colonel. He just retired. He got called down to 9-11 because we were in upstate New York. So they drove down the few hours and a ton of people that were there are now getting things like thyroid cancer like my dad has. I guess it's one of the top three things that they're getting now because there was all this nasty stuff in the air. So that's what originally happened. Here's the thing. People listen to it and they're like, oh, it's just thyroid cancer. That's great, Morgan. Like that's really treatable. The problem is he has this very rare, specific, unique gene, I guess. And it lives in the body. It doesn't mean you're going to get cancer. But if your body gets cancer from another thing, it basically sparks that gene up and it made it so that my dad now has this very aggressive form of medullary thyroid cancer that's very rare. It's like a 4% kind of thing. So that's the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not like the very treatable thyroid cancer that everybody is usually like, oh, Morgan, don't worry at all then. So now he's doing eight weeks of radiation and I just ask, you know, keep praying for him. I would really appreciate it. I believe in the power of prayer and it means so much when you guys send those messages and send these questions in. I, I thank you very, very much. That being said, speaking of fumes, I got a question about basic recommendations for changing into a more natural and non-toxic lifestyle. I was somebody that had no idea about any of this, had no idea. I enjoyed, you know, around Christmas time, getting a nice Christmassy smelling lotion from Bath and Body Works and smelling all cute. I didn't have any problem walking into Victoria's Secret and smelling all the fumes. And now I hold my breath if I'm going into one of those perfume stores because I'm trying to protect my endocrine system and my babies in the womb. Um, okay, that was a little much, uh, a little backstory there. 
It turns out babies in the womb and humans in general, when they're breathing in artificial fragrance that has synthetic estrogen in it, it can actually alter the body's makeup. I mean, if you have a boy with too much estrogen, imagine what that does, especially a boy forming his first cells in his mother's womb because it's going through the placenta into him as the mother breathes it in. Or just imagine a girl with too much estrogen. That's also bad. It's not like you just want more and more estrogen to be more and more womanly. It's actually a very fragile balance of all of our hormones. So breathing that kind of stuff in synthetic estrogen is kind of a big deal. I had no idea about any of this stuff. I'm going to be honest, okay? And I've had my fair share of processed foods and all that stuff, but I have just become so passionate about this and living an intentional lifestyle, living a healthy lifestyle. And this was about mm, a couple of years ago at this point. So learning as I go and making those changes has been a really fun experience. And I can't wait to implement that for my family in the future. That being said, if you are just beginning, please don't feel overwhelmed. It's actually quite simple, okay? And you feel a lot better once you start making the changes, and it's really not difficult at all. So the first thing I would suggest is that page that I suggested above. Follow Natural Minded Mama on Instagram. M-O-M-M-A is how they spell mama on it. And look at her swaps. She's going to show you the very specific swaps that you can make in terms of products. Whenever I need to buy something, I go and just look at what she recommends to buy in that category. And then I'm like, well, that was easy. And she often has codes, which is great. The other option for you to follow is the food babe on Instagram. And of course, the natural minded nurse that I talked about earlier too. The food babe is more specific to what is inside of the the common foods that we eat and any swaps, or it's stuff like explaining how chicken is labeled what all the things on the package mean and stuff like that. So I I follow all three of them because they each provide something different. And then through my nonprofit, uh, Christy runs a page called The Freedom Guide on Instagram. And that is just full of information too if you want to follow those four pages. The next thing, I can kind of give you the steps that I took. And again, this is over time. So here's just a few that were on the, you know, on the top of my head. Number one is I removed plastic materials and nonstick pans from my kitchen. Number two, I replaced my makeup with organic, non-toxic, simple ingredients. And in general, I wear less of it. I basically saw that you put over 150 chemicals. Women put an average of 150 chemicals on their skin every single day. And that freaked me out. And so I stopped doing all that stuff. And I mean, it really adds up if you look at the ingredients list on the daily products that we're using. So I made that change with makeup. Uh, Number three, I got off birth control. Okay. They put us on it at 13, 14, 15 years old. And they say, it's going to stop us from getting pimples. We're not going to have bad cramps. We're not going to bleed as heavy, whatever reason they put us on birth control for. It's insane. The kind of negative impacts it has on your body. And if you go to red pill, your health cast, podcast and look up the birth control episode, you'll see what I mean. Listen to it. I got off birth control and I tell every girl that I meet that they should do it. I started naturally tracking my period, not for birth control or anything, because that's a different topic. And maybe we'll talk about that sometime. But more so because it turns out, even though even though society tells us that we're no different from men, we have completely different hormone cycles from men. I mean, we have four stages of a cycle rooted in our menstruation, rooted in our period. And so for me, (laughs) I was kind of shocked that 
this, you know, pro-woman feminist movement kind of stuff basically wants to erase a really crucial foundational part of our health and our physical body, our mental state that is linked to the four phases of our cycle. So being able to track my period, I have the flow app if you guys want to get that, being able to track that, my ovulation and everything and live according to the cycle has been really fun and I feel more in tune with my body, okay? Because your hormones are changing in each of the four phases. So there's, I mean, there's workout pages on Instagram that literally just give you workouts to do according to each of the four phases because apparently you're supposed to be more in tune even with your workout. And of course, there's also specific foods and and different ways to nourish your body in each of those four phases. Did you even know that? Probably not because it's not like the health class and our public school system is going to teach us that because they want to teach us that we're no different than men. I would say that that's very anti-woman and anti-science, but I digress. Another thing that I did, I changed the products in my bathroom. So my body soap, shampoo and conditioner, and face face wash. Like I said, we put over 100-something chemicals on our skin every single day. Our skin is the largest organ. We're absorbing all those chemicals into us, and it's very hard to get them out, all right? And then not only that, they're in our body, and then we get pregnant, and then they actually can go through the placenta and into our baby. How thrilling. Uh, So along with that, kind of with that bathroom product swap, I don't use any products anymore with artificial fragrance inside. Like I was saying earlier, I could walk into a Victoria's Secret and not, you know, be concerned about anything when I'm I'm whiffing all that that perfume. You walk into that store and you could just smell it. And for me, I won't even wear perfume or fragrances anymore and I won't use products like lotions or body soaps or anything with artificial fragrance because again, it's artificial synthetic estrogen that disrupts our hormones inside of our body and can lead to things as small as pimples and stuff like that because you're throwing off your hormones or as large as issues with fertility or who knows what, okay? It's a very fragile system, very important. And of course, I also won't use candles or any like air spraying things, stuff like that to make a room smell nice. Instead, if you're not cooking or baking at the time, I just simmer um, some cinnamon and apple slices and some orange juice and water on the stove and it makes the whole house smell like an apple pie. You'll be great. Last thing that you could do right away, and you guys, these are very simple changes. This is not difficult to do the things that I just listed out. The last thing is to just stop eating basic unhealthy things. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking at a neon orange Cheeto, just ask yourself, what is this puff of of chemicals that is mixed together? Because it certainly isn't food, okay? It's a mix of chemicals and then it's turned into a neon orange, fake orange color, Okay. If you're looking at that thing and you know what makes up that little cheese puff now and you're still desiring to eat it, you need to ask yourself why you desire to eat that kind of thing. That's icky, okay? Stop that right now. Don't eat that neon orange Cheeto. Just eat whole foods. Whole foods. The food that God put on the earth for us to eat. Real foods. Does that make sense? Whole foods and real foods. I feel like that's a simple beginner process. Easy changes to make. And it is a little pricier, but I eat organic. And it's frustrating that it's much more expensive. All right, let's do one more question. Let's see, kind of along with the same topic, someone's asking, what is your latest crunchy endeavor? Okay, I have a few things going on at the moment. Number one, with cooking, I'm basically trying to master the basics of at-home, from-scratch cooking and baking. Because a lot of the stuff like bread, a lot of the things that we buy in the store from pasta to biscuits to pie crust, everything, a lot of that stuff 
is filled with very unnecessary chemicals that if we just learned how to make those those things again in our own home with just a couple ingredients, we would be so much better off. But they're kind of like lost arts. So I've been trying to work on that. I'm trying to nail down biscuits, pie crust and puff pastry. Those are the current struggles. I'm going to be honest. My pie crust, not ideal. But it is kind of funny because I lived alone in Texas. Now I'm mostly with my family for all this cancer stuff. But when I was living alone in Texas, like I would just have my nighttime activity to be trying to make pie crust. And then I would bake it for myself because it's just flour and, and like ice water. I would make it for myself and then it would fail. And then I'd I'd feel bad for wasting it, but it's also like I'm doing this for a purpose. I'd rather fail now than fail when I have a husband and kids that I want pie. You know what I mean? So I'm just failing alone. (laughs) It sounds kind of negative, but it works. It makes sense, doesn't it? Um, A good resource for you guys is Jones Roots. I have, if you've ever seen my laptop cover, it says run back to your roots. Jones Roots with a little flower. Jones Roots, if you Google search them, should pop up. They have something you can sign up for by email. And it starts in January, goes through December. And basically each month is themed in terms of learning skills. And so there's a whole lesson on every basic thing that a woman should really know at home or men if you want to learn how to cook too. There's baking 101, cooking 101, where you're learning everything. There's one on how to make bone broth. There's one on canning. There's a month dedicated to gardening and harvesting. You know what I mean? Like this is truly a super fun project if you want to sign up. I believe she gives you every week, she sends out basically like an ingredients list of what you need to buy at the store and what you'll need for the projects that week. It's super cool. And it's so organized. That's really a huge resource. That's a lot of time that she put into that. So I encourage you guys to try that out. The other thing that I'm doing is I'm really interested more and more, if you're asking about my crunchy endeavors, really interested in healthy fabrics. Because like I was saying earlier about endocrine disruption in the things that we're putting on our skin and the things that we're eating, it's also happening with fabrics because just like a lot of stuff that's made with plastic, polyester has a lot of nasty stuff in it. It's basically a synthetic fabric derived from petroleum. On top of that, athletic clothing like sports bras, like leggings, stuff like that, that we put really tight on our body and often are not wearing anything between that, like like women that wear leggings and no underwear. Like Think of the kind of stuff that you're putting on your body really tight and it's got BPA, plastics, and endocrine-disrupting chemicals. Okay, so kind of a big deal. That kind of stuff really freaks me out lately. Fabrics are pretty gross. So if you are buying really cheap clothing, I'm not saying you have to, don't be bougie in any way. But if you're finding stuff like Sheen or I don't know how to pronounce the company and you're like, wow, I'm getting this beautiful long dress on the internet for $11. How could I possibly get this? Number one, it's not made or provided in an ethical way. And number two, the creation of that fabric is probably very bad for your body. So I know that like, listen, there's not a lot of American made dress companies. So if you want to take that out of it, just consider the chemicals that are going into that product. And do you really want to be wearing that on your skin? Now, I haven't really figured out how to say this yet, but it's on my mind. It's definitely on my heart. If we are honoring ourselves and God and we're trying to do everything in a way that's representative of of living in a wholesome and good way, then perhaps we should clothe ourselves, kind of like Proverbs 31, do we clothe ourselves in dignity? Do we want to be putting toxic chemicals and materials on our skin? Like it's it's almost metaphorical. 
I haven't really figured out what's going on with that, but it's in my head of like something is really weird with this. And it's driven me to be more interested in clothing myself with strength and dignity and healthy ingredients and materials. Again, have not put this together yet, but it's just in my mind, on my heart. So it's been inspiring me to learn how to sew. And I'm really excited to sew my own dresses. Now, here's the thing. These things are so expensive, right? Okay. People are always asking me where I get my dresses, stuff like that. I buy them whenever I see cute ones, whenever I see stuff that I like. I've gotten them over the years. I've gotten ones on sale from TJ Maxx. I've bought some more expensive ones that are like $60, $70. But here's the thing. $60, $70, unfortunately, is like... (laughs) It's becoming more and more affordable because of inflation, right? Like there's just, what even is the value of a dollar anymore? But the bottom line is that these companies, it doesn't really take a lot of money to to build these dresses, to put these dresses together. And they're making a huge profit off of us. So that's another thing to keep in mind. So there's all these different aspects to it, but I would really love, and I think for myself and my family, like this is a skill that I want to learn is sewing and creating our own clothes and then using organic materials. Because not only are just regular dresses expensive these days, especially the prairie girl dresses that I like, but I am sick and tired of any ones that are labeled like 100% linen, 100% organic, anything that has to do with being healthy and good for you and just natural and safe, I swear, I will get on a site and it'll say $400 for that dress. And I am like, (laughs) why is it so difficult to just clothe yourself in healthy things? So I'm really excited because I want to get linen and I want to get 100% cotton. 100% linen and 100% cotton are what I'm focusing on, even for things like sheets now. But I want to sew my own dresses. So that's my my big mission right there. And then, of course, what I'm also embracing, this is I think this counts as crunchy endeavor, is slow living. Okay? I think it works. Like, the most lively thing I do in my day now is this podcast. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. I hope that one was informative. I'll see you next time. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Bye-bye.